www.healthcmi.com, Acupuncture Continuing Education Online. Today, Acupuncture Results for COVID-19 Coronavirus Treatment. This was published at Health CMI on May 24th, 2020. Simply go to news at Health CMI, the news link, and look for the article with this title. It covers some Shanghai University of Traditional Chinese Medicine Hospital research. So basically, people with coronavirus had less symptoms, recovered better, had lower body temperatures. Also, they had less ancillary symptoms. So uh, relief tightness in the chest, fatigue, panic, anxiety, anorexia, insomnia, things like it had helped calm the patients. But more than that, the average length of stay in the hospital was reduced and it also increased the total discharge rate of 100%. No one was dying with this protocol at all. And this is Chinese research. Remember, we're getting similar results with results from Taiwan as well. So it was lung 7, large intestine 4, PC6, large intestine 11, and stomach 36. Unless there was insomnia, they added bladder 62 and kidney 6. They also use herbal medicine, and the article outlines all the herbal medicines. So again, go to healthcmi.com, click on news to see that. In another investigation, they also found that acupuncture with moxibustion helped with digestive problems associated with COVID-19. So getting some good results here, it's very much worth looking at. So on the ground, when discussing this with doctors who were actually in China, in the hospitals, treating the patients, what we learned from the Healthcare Medicine Institute is that the herbal medicine acupuncture has a profound ability to prevent the disease from progressing. And as a result, here they achieved a 100% discharge rate from the hospital and no one died. And so that's kind of the secret is to get the people early and help them. So these are integrative medicine protocols. So again, no one's being deprived of oxygen or things like this. They get the respirators. If they need other things, they get them. But again, by adding that acupuncture and herbs in there, we're getting significantly better results. This is not just an isolated piece of research and it's not just from China. Now we do mention at the end of this article also that the Chinese government sent 100,000 boxes of an herbal patent medicine uh, in an assistance package to Italy. Now that is Lian Hua Qingwen capsules. And that's because some of the research, I'll quote the research, it's kind of interesting, right? Let's see, Lian Hua Qingwen exerts antiviral and anti-inflammatory activity against novel coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2. They also, if I quote them from another one about Lianhua Qingwen, it, quote, significantly inhibits the SARS-CoV-2 replication, affects virus morphology, and exerts anti-inflammatory activity in vitro. These findings indicate that this, they say LH, which is short for Lianhua Qingwen, protects against the virus attack. So again, it, it is research-based. This is not news. They had the uh, 2003 version of coronavirus to deal with and identify different herbs that were helpful. So the investigations, we started earlier. When we speak of a common cold and flu season, flu is kind of a, kind of a vernacular for something like influenza. That is an entirely different virus. So there's a lot of research 
about influenza, but coronavirus is, is another virus entirely. Now, each of these viruses, by the way, whether it's influenza or coronavirus, have different strains and they mutate over time, which can be problematic in terms of developing vaccines or treatments. That includes both in the pharmaceutical realm and also in the botanical realm. So in this case, we did have some advantage of having that time frame on the coronavirus to examine it. And the Chinese government has classified Lianhua Qingwen capsules as a class A drug. It's available through the national healthcare system and they're just getting better patient outcomes. But the key is to getting early intervention to the patient with these. I, w I would say in the United States, there really is a, somewhat of a media blackout. Now, it's, it's not just, um, you know, might think, oh, well, it's some kind of conspiracy or a business interest, blah, blah, blah. No. It is a cultural mistrust and uh, misunderstanding. People don't necessarily trust research out of China, and yet we don't look at the results in Taiwan, which we do trust. And the Taiwanese national healthcare system gathers quite a lot of data. So within the United States, for example, we tend to take U.S. research very seriously. And until we have enough U.S. research that's taken seriously and then published in the journals that we like, and then eventually making it into the Merck manual, which is basically... Uh, what is considered consensually validated reality. So the Merck Manual is a book published by Merck Pharmaceuticals that tells you what to do for a particular illness. Once something filters into that, then it is real. Now, what happens is a lot of herbal medicines have made it into the Merck Manual, but they are usually synthesized and then turned into what we would call a pharmaceutical drug. So uh, if it's Ching Hao... It's not acceptable, uh, it's an herb, it doesn't really work, but once you synthesize it or take the extract of it, concentrate it and put it into an injection or pill, it becomes what we know uh, today as the best cure for malaria, for example. Uh, that, that's kind of interesting, right? Actually, that malaria thing as an aside is very controversial because before that it was a type of quinine, it was hydroxychloroquine, which is very controversial in the press. Um, and it does have somewhat dubious applications for coronavirus, but certainly in 1934, when it was extracted from a Peruvian tree bark, it was one of the best cures around at that time for malaria. And then when it became ineffective, Tu Yuyo did uh, an ether extract of Ching Hao, Artemisia, during, uh, it was actually during the Vietnam War era. That's actually kind of interesting story. And she recently got the Nobel Prize in Medicine, I should say, and she's in her 80s now. Uh, she, she managed to pull that off with knowledge of herbal medicine, got the extract, but when, when you see it uh, administered by your doctor, you know, uh, prescribed by your doctor, you don't realize that's a long history of Chinese medicine involved and how they found out about it, right? From Chinese medicine books, they simply did an ether extract instead of a water extract to get more of the active ingredient and off you go. Pharmaceutical companies now offer that in 
the natural extract form is a pill, but you can also get it in a synthetic form, which is great because then you don't have to deplete natural, nat, uh, natural resources necessarily for that. Like uh, the cancer treatments with the yew tree in Northern California, the synthesizing it saved the yew tree, for example. Uh, and then there are variations when the resistant strains emerge. When you use a drug a lot, then resistant strains emerge. We have to find new drugs. Uh, now they're mixing botanicals with synthesized versions to get other types of effective results. So it's complicated. Once we start highly concentrating one active ingredient and giving it to people, there are, go there are going to be uh, resistant strains and things that emerge. So Tuyu Yo's history was a secret uh, Chinese medicine uh, project because during the Vietnam War era, the uh, Chinese troops were dying from malaria. So the government set out to find a cure for malaria, and she found it. And being a woman at that time in China, combined with the fact that it was a top-secret project, she really didn't get the acclaim that she now has the Nobel Prize in Medicine for it, and we recognize that. So again, botanicals do need to be taken seriously, and that's a great aside. She has finally been recognized for it, which is great. Uh, it's an in incredible contribution to humanity. So what we have here is a gap in trust and understanding, but the research is there, and there's a lot of research on er specific herbal medicines for coronavirus. So this is the issue that we're facing. All of these stories and more are covered at healthcmi.com. So they're they're great to go over, but they they're very specific in that the journey from finding something that works to the actual delivery of that medicine to a patient has a complicated path. And fast tracking things that have been found effective in multiple types of research is not as easy as one would think. So there are some uh, ethnocentric barriers there are some funding barriers for research. There are some really honest barriers in terms of trying to protect the, the public and having research requirements. They can be helpful in making sure something is safe and effective, well-made, but also these same protections can be barriers, especially when they unfairly select. So in this case, uh, and I'm, I'm not saying that Lianhua Qingwen is the be-all, end-all in patent medicines, but it works. We know that. Uh, I will tell you, if I was personally in the hospital and I was only given some type of antiviral, let's say Oseltamivir, uh, what's it? Oseltamivir, I think is how you pronounce it, uh, brand name Tamiflu. Yeah, that works for H1N1 influenza A, but we don't really know that it works for coronavirus. And I'd like to see the research, it might help. Uh, so they'll probably give me that. Maybe they'll give me hydroxychloroquine. Again, that was um, the that was from the originally from the uh, Peruvian tree bark. It's very toxic uh, and very controversial. I mean, you can kill people with that stuff. So I'm not, and that was originally from malaria. I'm not even sure it works. It might. It might be great. Maybe some forms, some forms, no. Uh, uh, the research just isn't there yet on that. Some says yes. A lot of it says no. Very controversial politically. And they might give me some antibiotics for secondary infections. Great things like oxygen, respirators, things like this are, are available. 
But yeah, I would want Lianhua Ching Wen. It is proven in multiple pieces of research, not just for coronavirus, but also for influenza A. So we know in Chinese medicine has clear heat and toxin herbs. It's a category of herbs that have broad spectrum antiviral and antibacterial actions. Once you point this out to someone like a biochemist, it's not as mysterious because we can see quickly in vitro how it works. I mean, I could set up an experiment within a day or two to do that. But in vivo, in, you know, in a human, in to do human trials is another story entirely and getting that kind of result. So we know this about entire categories of Chinese herbs, clear heat and toxin, clear heat, dry, damp, quell fire. These are broad spectrum categories. So quell fire, you might say, well, what does that mean? Quell fire is absurd. It's really, that's a poetic term. It's ancient, but it basically they're antifebrils. Hope it makes more sense now. It can take down fevers. Clear heat and toxin, you would call it antiviral and antibiotic, maybe. So just because the term has an ancient and poetic term doesn't mean it's outdated. Again, there's significant research in the botanicals, and they do make their way up through the pharmaceutical system, but there's just so many cultural misunderstandings and mistrust, and the system itself really isn't efficient enough to get the medicine to the people, especially when it's tried and proven. This is something that's backed by governments in Singapore, in Taiwan, in China, and approved for use. So what is it going to take to make that available in a United States hospital so that when you go in, the doctor pulls up on the screen, here's what's recommended, here's the protocol, off you go. It takes quite a lot to get there. Believe me, if you go into a United States hospital right now and they pull up the computer screen of the latest recommended protocols, it's not going to come up Leon Hua Ching Wen. So then patients are left without that, and it's not a good thing because the research is, is there already, and we've had that advantage going back to 2003. So it's going to take some movement. How do we make our systems more efficient to take what we find works and get it into practical use? And by the same at the same time, we, we want the pharmaceutical companies to take these things seriously and get on it and start looking at synthetic versions as well. Again, mass production, we can deplete a particular botanical very quickly. So there is only so much world supply to begin with of some of these things. So I'm not against the pharmaceutical version, a synthetic version. I think cooperation is important understanding. The only thing that matters... The only thing that matters is positive patient outcome rates and getting people healthy. In terms of uh, profitability, for me personally, I don't care. Someone go make money making it, good luck. And I'm not really, you know, in the game of caring who makes the money. I'm only cared about who gets better and caring about who gets better. So again, it's about positive patient outcomes. Remember that some of these herbal companies, when you talk about safety as well, have a very, very, very high safety track record. So these are pharmaceutical-grade herbal companies. The, the factories themselves are very high quality. That's not the case with all Chinese herbs. We know that. They're not always ethical. They're not always clean. And they're problems. Yes, like any mass production of anything. 
It doesn't matter if you're in the food business or in the pharmaceutical industry or in the botanical industry. There are always problems with production, bad batches of whatever, um, bad actors, you know, in terms of different companies. That's, that's a global issue. But the company that makes Liang Huaqing Wen, for example, does a good job. So I understand that is an issue, but that's not a reason to prevent something that's proven by multiple pieces of research to work for, to prevent it from coming into the United States and being used on a wide scale. But again, ultimately what it's going to take is the right process so that it can be accepted and used and trusted so that it's printed in the Merck manual as a standard protocol, because without that, it is simply not part of consensually validated reality. And that is basically the essence of what becomes protocolized United States as standard care. So hopefully that's a little helpful, a little overview. Again, lives are at stake, which is why I'm taking time to talk about this in detail. We know that the application of certain acupuncture points, for example, can slow or stop certain types of viral replication. I'm not saying cure, but it does have a boost to the immune system. We know that very specific herbs have very specific effects on the duration of viral shedding. So we can't turn our back on this wide body of research. There are organizations that are in place to make sure that none of this information is disseminated or taken seriously. And there is an implicit bias towards rejecting this. However, if we look at the hard data, it's another story. And if we know there's that much data out there, it is appropriate to have domestic funding to look into this very seriously and on an emergency and on an emergency scale to get it to the people to save lives. I'm Adam White, licensed acupuncturist from the Healthcare Medicine Institute. Thank you for listening. www.healthcmi.com.